Hello, and welcome into another edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. I am Price Carter. Joining me is Christian Ainsworth, and we have nothing to talk about today. There's nothing really going on in football, just a regular old, boring old podcast. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I mean, what really even happened over the weekend? Like, a, a few upsets, a few a few game-winning kicks, nothing really. I mean, we, we, we knew which teams we were going to win, right? I think I predict, I think all of my predictions were right. So this is really just kind of, that, that's all we have to talk about really. In a weekend. And I mean, this is, this is it. This is the best weekend of football. AFC and NFC championships are great, but it's just one day. You get four quality, good football games with lots of things on the line. Like the wild card weekend, we talked about how it wasn't super and kind of a lot of blowouts, but this is it. Like this is the weekend for football. This is the best weekend there is. And it started out Saturday evening with Titans Bengals. And that was a good game. And I remember sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, we think that Chiefs Bills is going to be a good game, but boy, it's it's hard to top this one. A walk-off field goal, an upset, the one set's been de- dethroned. It's going to be hard to beat this one. And I even remember we I, I was grabbing some pizza for dinner that night. And I came back with the pizza from the picked it up from the place. And I walked in and saw Rogers go up 7-0, and it looked so easy. And I was like, yep, this one's going to be a laugher. And then after I was done eating my food, I was like, wow, they're, they're really not moving the ball well. And I mean, it was a weekend that started off with a great game and somehow it got better each game. And that it was just, man, if you love football and if you love sports, this was the weekend. Yeah. This is the, maybe the best weekend in football history. Like you, we talked, you talked about that Bengals Titans game. That might be the most boring game of the week. And it was an incredible game. Like, the Rogers game, there was so much on the line for him. Like, is he going to, you know, prove himself, even though he's been really, really good in the regular season. And then, Oh, it's Tom. This might be Tom Brady's last year. We'll see how and, he I mean, does. And, and, and the narratives, the narratives were just there. I mean, other than the Titans, which are kind of like a fart noise, as far as a organization goes, you got Joe Burrow, this kid who's the number one pick out of LSU, who's bringing the city back from the dead. As far as football goes, You've got the Tom Brady, you know, there's enough storylines there. You have the Rams, this all-in organization who is just have a absolute star at every position. You've got the 49ers and the, you know, this quarterback that they're trying to move on from. You have all the pressures of Rodgers and everything that he's built up. You have Lambo in the snow. You've got Arrowhead at night. You've got, you know, Josh Allen versus Patrick. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was just, you couldn't, like if someone wrote the narrative, or wrote this down and put it in a script, you'd say, that's, that's, that's too unrealistic. It's not going to happen. It, no one's going to believe that. And it happened. Yeah, well, dude, think about just this weekend and what it meant for even, we'll just go with the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. Or Aaron Rodgers, who a lot of people, they compare the two guys. I think there's an argument to be made that after this weekend, and you couldn't say it before this weekend, Mahomes has a greater legacy than Aaron Rodgers does. In, in his young career, I think that there's an argument to be made that Mahomes has surpassed Rodgers. And then you have the Rams going up. Like, like you said, they're all in for this year. Now, they're going to have to bring back a lot of pieces next year, but this year is the year they sold out, gave up as much as they possibly could, all their draft picks, all their cap space, and went, we're going to try to win one, but we got to go through Brady, the GOAT. And then they go through, and then they beat Tom Brady, which, man, in, is a feat in and of itself. But the fact that you you have so much on the line is crazy. Like, 
it's pushing all of your chips to the middle of the table and then winning and doubling your money and coming back. And I think you just put it so perfectly. The, the narratives this week were insane. And I can't wait to talk more about them as we go on through this podcast. Well, let's, let's go ahead and start with the game that was. And I mean, we, we're not going to spend time talking about if this was the greatest football game ever. But one thing I did want to bring up about it is very few games get hyped up as much as this game was hyped up and very few games deliver. Um, I, I tweeted out a list of what I thought were the top five games of the Patrick Mahomes era. This was obviously number one, the divisional round against the Bills. And the second was the Rams game in 2018. And a bunch of people said, how could you make a, how could you make an L number two? Like, how could you make a loss? The second best game. And it's the same reason that this Bills game is number one. It was just the stakes were higher. This game had all of the hyperbole, all the buildup, everything, the romanticism of it being in the Coliseum or being an arrowhead. And it lived up to it and it exceeded expectations. I mean, I watched this game with my family and my wife and my wife was taking videos of me um, and documenting the many emotions I was going through. And I think about 30 times I looked at them and said, this is, this is big. Like this could be the game right here. And it was true. There was, I mean, the, every game was the play of the game, man. Like it just felt like every single play was crucial and it continually just, and another thing that was just so good about this game, I say this all the time, don't confuse a close game for a good game because they're not always the same thing. You get some turd where it's like the Jets and the Giants are going at it and it's 12-13 in the fourth quarter and Monday night football is trying to make it interesting because it's the last game of the week. That's not good. It's just close, right? Like that's that happens all the time. This was football high, executed at such a high level. You had two quarterbacks who put on what could have been the best quarterback duel that's ever happened. Little to no penalties happen in the game. And, you know, for all the cr gr uh, grumpy old men on Twitter who say, oh, defense died last night. The game was like 26-21 going into the fourth quarter. There had been some really good defensive play in this game. No turnovers. It was just excellent execution. And no, you know, there was no, there was no one thing in that game that you could like, I remember whenever they scored and there was 13 seconds left. And I was thinking to myself, I really don't know what to tell the chiefs what they did wrong. I mean, I, my first, um, my, you know, the tweet that you make when they're about to lose my tweet was maybe invest more in a corner than a fourth round pick. That was like really the only thing I could say is like, well, they just got destroyed in the secondary. But I mean, other than that, you just, it was, it was, and if you're a Bills fan, I don't think you can be mad about a whole lot. It was just a great game. And I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge it now. And I have no problem acknowledging this. The Chiefs won a coin toss and that's why they won the game. If that coin lands on the other side, we're talking about mock drafts and the Chiefs season being over. And I have no fear admitting that because it's 100% true. And you know what? That was true in 2018 when we all whined and complained about Brady winning. But all I remember back then is everyone getting on their knees for Brady and talking about how excellent he is and how he just has the mojo and all this. No one cared that the game ended on a coin toss. And, you know, we know that the Chiefs proposed a rule and it got voted down. And I'm not going I, – if I had to live through that misery in 2018, I'm not going to complain about it now. You know, we won and the Chiefs had to do it. And you know what? Stop them. Like do something to make a single play on defense and not make it literally the easiest thing ever. Cause it was effortless. I went back and watched the game that 
pass to Kelsey was on first and goal from like the 10 yard line. It wasn't even necessarily that close. It was just first and goal touchdown done. So, I mean, it was a coin toss game. We, we talked about it like that here in the podcast. We said that, you know, it was kind of be one of those last person to have the ball who scored and it lived up to it. Yeah. And while I was watching it, I just about had the same experience you did. I was at my, I was in my hometown visiting my parents, um, trying to, you know, survive off of COVID and the game was so up and so down. And, and I remember the, the touchdown before the touchdown to, or the, the field goal to make it into overtime. I said, and I put it in our Arrowhead live group chat. I said, Mahomes, now's your time to be great. What I didn't know is that Josh Allen was going to turn around and be just as great. And then Mahomes was going to be ungodly, like just everything you'd like in a quarterback. And it was so having COVID and being coming down off of that, there were multiple, multiple times during that game where I almost passed out. And dude, what what more do you want from a football game? You, You talked a little bit about the defense there. That both defenses were missing probably their best player on defense. Tyron Matthew was out the second or third play of the game. And Tredavious White has been out for a while. So, no, the the defenses weren't going to be as great as, you know, they were hyped up to be. The the Bills defense was number one the whole season. You talked about that on the last podcast. They fed off of some some lesser talented teams. Facing the Jets twice will, will improve your defensive, uh, your defense's r- defensive rankings for sure, 100%, no question. And the Chiefs really didn't have that incredible of a defense going in. They were incredibly awful, then kind of did the same thing, fed off some, some lowly teams and rose their rankings. But losing your best player, it, it doesn't help. It, that doesn't help you at all. So it, they did do some things good defensively, both teams, but at the end, it, it just came down to, how how good are the quarterbacks in this game? And Allen didn't want to lose. Mahomes didn't want to lose. And one more thing, and, and I'll throw it back to you. All the people that are saying this was decided on a coin flip, I that, that perspective to me is just so tired and worn out because as a Chiefs fan who was at the AFC championship game when we lost the Patriots, it's there's something about looking at your team and going, well, it was a hundred percent chance that, that we lost. We were in foul. We made no mistakes up until the overtime. Dude, Travis Kelsey was open for 90% of this game. Whose fault is that? Well, that's the Bills defense. Sean McDermott is a great coach. Put your guys in positions to win. The, the final drive with the 13 seconds left. Yeah, he could have squibbed, kicked it. But if somebody jumps on the football, gives themselves up, no time is taken off the clock, and they're probably a better field position. So that wasn't an awful decision, but it's a decision you can call into question. Playing man on Tyree Kill on that final drive is a bad choice. So there there were a hundred of different times during this game where they could have stopped the Chiefs from scoring. And this wouldn't this this conversation wouldn't be brought up the overtime question. But at some point, somebody has to win. I just think it's a little ridiculous to to expect these two players to go into overtime when there's a playoff game, not a regular season game, a playoff game the next week. What what do we have? Six days to get ready for it. uh, If you're a chiefs player, like at some point you got to cut them off and say, we don't want to risk any more injuries. These, 
Two players have been playing incredibly, incredibly well. It's unfortunate that the teams haven't capitalized on the other team's mistakes, but there, we must decide a winner and prevent anybody else from getting hurt because that's what the league is all about. We're, they're trying to keep their star players healthy. One way to do that is to knock down the numbers on the how long you play. And I think the NFL did a good job. I was pissed when the Patriots won. If I was a Bill, Bills fan, I'd be pissed now. But I don't want to hear any of it. We tried to change the rules anyway. So, Yeah, I think, you know, we, we don't have to try to fix the NFL's overtime thing. I mean, it's it's been stated well. We all know what it is at this point. And you're right. The game has to end at some point. Um, and there's, you know, it's really kind of one of those, you can create a narrative to fit whatever side of the argument you are. You know, if you're a Bills fan, you're sitting here, how could you want to see overtime without Josh Allen, without a chance to answer back? And then if you're a Chiefs fan, you sit here and say, play defense, you know, make a stop or whatever. So, I mean, it's kind of a loser's quarrel at that point. I mean, one of the, I think one of the things that was super underrated about this game is like we said a little bit, there was excellent defense played in this game on both sides of the ball, especially after losing Matthew and losing Ward there for a little bit. The Chiefs defense was pretty shaky. And I mean, here's one thing I want to bring up. A lot of people had a lot of vindictive attitudes about Gabriel Davis turning into Jerry Rice in this game. And look, I understand that. But to me, I think it was actually kind of genius what they did. Stephon Diggs was more or less not a, a, a no-show in this game. Cole Beasley had about 60 yards. He kind of got his. Dawson Knox killed them last game. And they more or less shut him down. Devin Singletary got a little bit. He got that, you know, that nice toss touchdown. But for more or less, the Chiefs took away the main weapons that Josh Allen had and said, you know what? If Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and Emmanuel Sanders are going to beat us, let us happen. You know what? They almost did. They almost did. And if it hadn't been for a coin flip, we might not be having this conversation. But honestly, it's kind of genius. I mean, you, I tweeted this out. In the AFC Championship last year, Tyreek Hill, 160 yards, a, a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, like 300-some-odd yards, a rushing touchdown, and two passing touchdowns. Guess what? This game, the stats were almost the exact same. Tyreek, over 100. Kelsey, almost 100 with a touchdown. Tyreek had a touchdown, and Mahomes went off again. Just, you know, like, from a Bills perspective, they knew exactly what they had to come in here and do. They had to shut down two, two receivers and a quarterback, and they couldn't do it. And that's, that's the difference in the game. The Chiefs shut out the big stars, and it made a difference. One of the most underrated sequences in this game, in my opinion, happened in the second quarter. If you remember, the Chiefs come out, they score a touchdown. Um, and then the Bills, they get the ball back after the first touchdown. So it's 7-0, or it's 7-7. Bills get the ball back. They kind of struggle a little bit. And then Melvin Ingram gets that big sack. Josh Gordon almost loses, or not Josh Gordon, Josh Allen almost loses the football. The Bills punt and get an excellent punt. It's down at like the one or two yard line. They're right in their back up their end zone and the Chiefs go three and out. They, um, so they punt the ball. Tommy Townsend actually generates the first good postseason punt of his life. And the ball is at the Buffalo 43. So they're almost at midfield, tied 7-7. They have a chance to get any points on the board and start having the Chiefs chase them. And here's what the Bills do. Devin Singletary out the middle, seven yards. Devin Singletary right in, one yard. Devin Singletary, negative two yards. 
They punt from their own 49. They punted for the 49, and the ball landed at the 14. Like, what were they? I mean, for as aggressive as they were on the first sequence, that play call to give the ball back to the Chiefs. And you know what? The Chiefs went down and scored right there. And then the Bills were chasing points the rest of the game. That That's huge to me. And, I mean, we talked about it a little bit from the AFC Championship last year that um, Sean McDermott, he's a defensive guy, and he still kind of makes some questionable calls um, that sometimes can come back to bite him. And I think that was one of them, let alone the squib kick and, you know, the coverage that was played by Leslie Frazier's defense. There were some things there that just kind of like, to me, really stuck out because we talked about the defense and how it was, you know, not very good, but they, they made enough plays to win. And truthfully, that's what this defense has always been about. Yeah. Well, and I'll just go back. We'll talk about that, that offensive set. Why didn't they go for it? They went for it on fourth down almost every other time this game, but for whatever reason, this time they decided not that to me is an error. I think if you're playing against the chiefs, we know what Patrick Mahomes is. Like, how many more games do you have to watch to see what he can do? You know you're going to have to be aggressive. Now, how you're aggressive, we saw it in the Chargers game. Maybe you don't go for it on your own 20, okay? But I'd say if you're outside the 25 or 30-yard line, it is probably a good idea to go for it, especially when you've been moving the ball as well as they had been up until that point. That was just one series where you had a couple of bad play calls. Like, that's going to happen. In a, in a series, in a drive, where where the coach or the running back or the quarterback makes a bad decision, and, and now you're stuck at a loss. Well, you, you can't tell me that that fourth and 12 or whatever it ended up being, fourth and 10, if going for it there was any worse of a decision than going for fourth and 13 earlier in the game, or even going for it on fourth and 20 later in the game. Like, th- these are – if you're going to be aggressive – be conservative, be conservative, but stick to who you are and stick to your game plan. The Chiefs spotted you four points. That, that should be enough. And it honestly, in this game, should have been enough if we didn't see magic happen late. But just I, I just really this this is maybe getting on my soapbox a little too much. But be who you are and stick to that. If you're a defensive coach, your defense better damn well be good. If if you're a conservative coach, play conservative. But don't give up your identity uh, because of how you're feeling in the moment. Exactly. And, I mean, let's be honest. And I I truly believe this is part of the reason. And this is the part of the podcast that gets romantic. But people see 15 on the sidelines, and they do weird things. They panic. They They do stupid stuff. And we've seen it time and time again, coaches making puzzling decisions, because of the pressure that he puts on them. And, I mean, we haven't talked about it yet, but just Patrick Mahomes in this game, in the postseason. I mean, he has every opportunity to disappoint, right? The, the best start to any young career. And it keeps getting better. I mean, if he was just an average quarterback in the playoffs, or if he just, you know, lost a you know, lost a few games in the postseason and just had, you know, kind of a typical off and on, you know, some years he does well, some years he doesn't kind of like a, like a Russell Wilson. Right. But for him to continually just keep compounding the legend. I mean, what is there left to say? This is the best player in football 
and it's not close. It's not I, close because I don't think it's been close for the past two years. In look, all honesty, Tom Brady's the greatest player to ever play the game, but Patrick Mahomes and his ability to get better when the moment is brightest is what separates him from everyone else. And if someone wants to sit here and try to galaxy brain where they would rather take Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. Okay. You know, that that's fine. It's, it, you know, that's kind of one B one C, but I'm going to take the guy who's proven in the playoff games. And this man has only ever lost a playoff game to the greatest that there ever was. And 13 sec. it doesn't matter that the bills were stupid and didn't kick a squib kick. No one was thinking my, I remember my mom asked me, she's like, well, can they even really do anything to try to get in there? And I was like, ah, they'll probably like do some lateral backyard stuff, you know? And then they did it. And not only did they do it, I mean, we've all seen the video by now where Kelsey and him are talking about just doing backyard shit in the middle of the biggest game of their life, one of the biggest games of their lives. And he do it, do it, do it. I mean, the, just the, the confidence, the swagger, the ability and the execution. I mean, there's zero room for error. Someone pointed out that game, that last big game to Kelsey to get into field goal range. Mahomes, if he would hold on to that ball one second later, uh, Gregory Russo was about to murder him. But he did it. And this is this is it. I mean, we waited so long for the Chiefs to make some sort of move at quarterback. I'll always remember where we were when we drafted Mahomes. I always remember where I was whenever I saw him start his first game in Denver. And the Chiefs finally took a chance on a quarterback, and they just happened to get the best one since Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. And I, we are so lucky. And my biggest regret and my biggest sadness about Patrick Mahomes is just that my son is too young to not remember this. And, you know, one day Patrick Mahomes will probably look like, ben, you know, be comparable to what the end of Ben Roethlisberger's career was or Peyton Manning's was. And I'll try to explain to him why he has owned 16 Patrick Mahomes jerseys as he's gotten older and that they're all in different sizes from when he was a newborn to now. But by God, I will make sure he knows. So I, I want to bring this back a little bit. You said Brady is the GOAT, and, I, and I'll ask you a question here. Do you think that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, or do you think LeBron James is the GOAT? And just a short answer. I just, I'm going to tie it back in. I mean, at this point, I think you've got to say Jordan. Okay. Okay. So, and, and that would be because of his repeated success, right? His, his ability to stay in the postseason and get it done in the postseason. Hey, what, that what, is, what score are you doing up at Mizzou? I feel like this is, I feel like I'm on the stand here. So, Mr. Carter, uh, we, we agree that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player. We agree. I feel like you're putting me on the stand here. Well, I am a little bit because I don't think that you can say Tom Brady. Well, I think there's an argument to be made that right now, Patrick Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of football. And We'll just look at the past four seasons, his entire career. We'll just take his entire career into question. What has he done? AFC championship game, Super Bowl victory, AFC, or Super Bowl appearance, AFC championship game. We will see if he makes it to the Super Bowl this year. I think that how he has evolved as a player, and you saw it with Michael Jordan as well. He went from being, when he was in his younger years, an all-time great scorer. But then, okay, well, now, now my, my game has to evolve because I can't drop 60 every game and, and continue to win championships. Now, the, the only difference here is that Mahomes has not wavered in his success. There wasn't a year when he missed the playoffs. There wasn't a year where he had a down year. This is the closest thing to a down year he's had. And 
what he did in that last game against the Bills. I'll tell you this, he didn't attempt any throw past 20 yards up until the last couple of minutes in the football game. We said at the beginning of the year, Mahomes needs to take what's given to him. He did that. He proved that he can do that. He's done that the past three games. All he's done is sustain such an incredibly high success rate that it, this is going to be, this, this is a record that will never be broken is Mahomes success. It will just say in the first four years, no other quarterback in our lifetime, maybe somebody else will see it. Nobody in our lifetime will be able to reach the success that Mahomes has reached. I think right now is when we need to start talking about Mahomes as the greatest player of all time. And I say that not because I discount Brady and, and what he's done. It's, it's obvious he, before the play starts, is maybe the greatest player to ever live. But when the I play think, breaks down, yeah, I, I think mean, Mahomes has an edge there. Here, here's what I think. I think the argument, look, I first off, I don't think that Mahomes will be able to eclipse Brady's championship and appearance total as far as Super Bowls go. Because I think the NFL is much, much more difficult than it was back then. Quarterbacks were so much harder to come by. Offenses were stagnant. He transitioned into a time where offenses became more prevalent. It benefited him, it benefited him as a passer. All-time easy division, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the stars truly had to align for that to happen. Now, to be, a, to be fair, he took advantage of the opportunity that was in front of him. You know, he won those games, the 28 to three game. He's won some, you know, big games against great quarterbacks, great players, et cetera, including beating Mahomes twice, right? All those things can't be ignored. To me, the path for what you're saying of him becoming the best to ever do it is going to be, he statistically blows Brady out of the water because he plays at the level he's playing at now. Cause I mean, he's outpacing him and everything except for, you know, like championship level defenses, played with and stuff like that um you know it's it's, it's going to be that he's statistically so better so much better in the regular season and in the postseason and then just has you know a decent chunk of the championships like if we're talking about Mahomes with three but he owns pretty much every passing record I think that there's going to be a lot of people who look at him as the greatest of all time just because we know that part of what happened with Brady was luck but you know there'll always be those people but i think you were making the lebron and mj comparison i think the more purposeful one would be is bill russell the greatest i was just about to say that yeah i'm so happy that you said that yes yeah because i mean now here's the thing bill russell was a good player i'm not going to pretend to be like i know a whole lot about bill russell okay i just know the argument but you know tom brady is more than bill russell We, we can agree on that yeah well, yeah, he's he's more than than Bill Russell. Well, Bill Russell but, had eleven championships. Yeah, yeah, he had eleven. And oh, no are one you ever, talking in? Are you talking in scope of like play? Like, yeah, ability, I mean, I, yeah, or, we're just, you know, Michael Jordan is more responsible for his seven than Bill Russell was for his eleven. Is more or less my point. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and Tom Brady, or not his seven, but Tom Brady is you know he's responsible for those seven championships. He's not Bill Russell. He wasn't long for the ride, but there is more to breaking down players ability than just championships. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that breath, you know, I, I think that that's the Avenue for Mahomes to enter that argument. Well, and there was an argument there for a while is Aaron Rodgers better than Tom Brady. 
And the argument now is, well, he did, he couldn't get it done in the biggest moments. When it was the AFC or the NFC championship game, he folded. He didn't run for a first down. He tried some crazy pass. When he was playing the 49ers this past weekend, instead of taking Alan Lazard over the middle of the field to get an easy first down and maybe a touchdown, he was that open. He chucked up a Hail Mary. He did what Mahomes was doing earlier this year and, and going for the chunk plays. Now, the, the argument is not who has more talent, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. No, no, no. Because Aaron Rodgers, I, I believe, outclasses Tom Brady in every athletic ability that he possibly has. The other side of that is Tom Brady was much more clutch. He made more composed decisions. He, he had that way about him to earn championships, and that's what helped him. Mahomes has that same DNA. He has that same DNA and all the athletic upside of Aaron Rodgers. And I think that if Mahomes, you said it earlier, if he wins three, I think that if Mahomes wins three championships, I don't think it will be a question. I think it will be Michael Jordan versus Bill Russell. I think it will be, well, he was, you know, he was dominant while he played and you know, he didn't win four MVPs, but he was the best quarterback in the league. And it was undisputed every single year that he played. He was the best quarterback until year 15, until year 16. And I I just want to start recognizing it now, put it in perspective so that we as Chiefs fans and we as sports fans in general can look at it and appreciate the greatness we are seeing because Mahomes is incredibly great. He is all time great. And I don't want that to, to pass by because of his brother or because of what his sister does or his not sister, his wife. I think, um, you know, kind of to put the period on this kind of conversation, I think two things, right. Are going to come down to it. If you're from Florida or the um, new England area, you're probably going to always think that Brady's the goat. And if you're from the Midwest or maybe you're from Texas, you're going to argue that Mahomes is the goat. And then there's also the thing that what I really think the MJ LeBron debate comes down to a lot of is just ageism. When, you know, you get on Twitter and argue with people about this, some of these guys grew up wearing Jordans and watching him in his prime and seeing all the things that he did, he was folklore, right? And also he, his, when he became popular, it was during a time when commercials were becoming a thing and brands were becoming a thing. He's one of the first athletes to ever have his own line of clothing and brands, right? He was, he was bigger than, than life. And now, you know, some of us younger generation, we kind of think that maybe, you know, there's other players that can reach, you know, reach his level and stuff like that. So part of it is just being dug in on what you saw. Some people grew up watching Tom Brady every night and some people are going to grow up watching Patrick Mahomes play every, you know, there are kids right now who are eight and nine and 10 and 11 who are watching Patrick Mahomes and taking it all in. And he is, he's bigger than life you know, and that they're going to sit around one day and be arguing why Mahomes, they'll be on Twitter or Discord or whatever kids will be arguing on then and be arguing about why Mahomes is better than this because they watched him and Josh Allen go at it for over four and a half quarters, you know, but <clears throat> let's not get into that because this, this is a ripe offseason topic right now, but I do agree that there's a, the conversation needs to, it's time to start a narrative. Okay, um, yeah, that's exactly right. Speaking that's of starting there. narratives and goats and all, all those other things, one thing that stood out to me, Tom Brady is he is a media master. Like he kind of got on Twitter the last couple of years 
and he kicks ass at Twitter, right? Like he tweets out funny stuff. His hype videos are excellent, even if you don't like Tom Brady. I mean, this guy knows social media. And it is 100% not an accident at all that about Sunday morning, like 8 a.m., they started leaking out these reports. And this has never happened before, right? It's never been that Tom Brady has ever really considered retirement when things started going south in New England. And then this random report just starts to drop a little bit. And then all the other guys start confirming it that, hey, Tom Brady is going to take some time this year to, recon- to consider his options. And then he goes out, and I, I don't care what you say. Again, I'm sure there's people who have the New England Tampa Bay flag as their profile picture. They'd be glad to argue with me. I don't care what you say. Tom Brady was not interested in playing that first half of the game. He looked disinterested. He looked angry. He looked agitated. And to me, and this is just probably my opinion, it looked like he was pissed off that he didn't have nearly as many weapons. He knew he was outclassed in that game. He knew he was in for a long day with Donald, Floyd, Von Miller. And he was kind of pouting. And I think he's kind of starting to realize one of the things that sucks about Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay was like, you know, like New England's like your wife. You come home to her and she's got, you know, she, she knows what you like. She makes your drink just right. She knows that sometimes you just need time to relax. She's the person that you want to live with every single day. And then there's the cute girl that you see at, at the golf course, the cart girl, you know, like you, you, you would really love to be with that cart girl. She's so gorgeous and all those things, but she kind of sucks to be around. She's kind of annoying and kind of naggy and needy. It's a short-term thing, right? You would never want to hang your jacket up with that girl every single night. That's what Tampa Bay is. Tampa Bay is just this, it's a fling, right? It's a short-term roster that's trying to keep everything together from having a bunch of high draft picks that because they sucked for a long time. And Tom Brady is basically just getting them to hold their stuff together for two or three years. So he can, you know, he's obviously got one ring out of it. So it was a good idea. But New England had that long-term consistent, that discipline and, to me, I, Tom Brady planted the seed for that loss there. Do I think that that's the only reason why they lost? Of course not. But he looked disinterested, and the Rams seized on that. And it, it, it was just no coincidence to me that that's how it happened. And there for a second, I thought that they were going to win it because the Rams tried so hard to give it up. But I, I don't know, man. I, I think that Tom Brady made his bed there. So first of all, does your wife listen to this podcast at all? Because you might you might want to make some clarifications. Well, first off, I don't golf because okay, all right, uh, I have better ways to spend my money. And second off, she's she does listen, but she'll be she'll be okay with it. She she knows she knows just because we're married, I didn't become blind. She gets it. Okay, all right. Just making sure. I just maybe you wanted to clear clear some things up. I, I'd hate for you to get in trouble over this next week. I'll use that analogy here. Tom Brady, it it was like Tom Brady went out with his high school fling, you know, that's the first girl he ever talked to. They went through so much together. I mean, the drama, the ups, the downs, and that, that was new England to him. Well, he got to college and, you know, he, he got a little bit older and he said, you know what? I've never, I've never done the fling thing. And they start to grow apart, grow apart. And he started to, he went off, he went to the box. He had the fling and he realized it was probably not as good as having that constant companionship and that and that's probably in his heart you know that's really what he wanted um so now i think that he is looking for that again and 
I'll, I'll end the comparison there. I don't think Tom Brady was, was super interested in that game either. And in all honesty, I don't think it was that close of a game. I know it came down to the very end. It came down to Cooper Cup making an amazing play, Matt Stafford. But there were like two unforced errors by the, by the Rams and then two forced errors that gave Tampa Bay the ball back where I was on Twitter going, Tom Brady's the luckiest individual to ever be alive because he was trying to give the game away. He was getting pressured constantly, which, you know what, maybe that's uh, karma coming back for that Super Bowl that we played against him in. Um, and he, he just kind of looked like, okay, I, can we just get this game over with so I can go home to my wife and my kids? Like, is, is there something we can do? I wish I could kneel the ball out the rest of the way, but I, I don't think that my coach would go for that. And then him coming on Twitter and saying, you know, I, I'm going to have to take some time. A lot of people will say that that's hogwash. I think that's legit. I think that he is going to take some time this offseason and go, can you re-sign Chris Godwin? Can you keep Leonard Fournette here? Is Ronald Jones going to be up to the task? Is this offensive line? Are we going to keep Brian Jensen? I know Tristan Wirfs is on his rookie contract, so we, we've got some space there, but what are we going to be able to keep here? Because I, what I don't want to do, what, what, and what I don't think Tom Brady really wants to do, is go back to a team with no weapons in a place that really at this point in his career, he's, he's kind of unsure of doing it anyway. I just, I a hundred percent agree with you. I don't, I don't know if Tom Brady is, is actually going to come back. Oh, and... he's, he's going to come. I mean, first off, maybe we had a speaking from someone who has long endured the misery of Tom Brady. We had a chance if they will, if they won the Super Bowl again, because then, you know, go out on top. It's kind of hard to say, no, how can you top what you've done the last two years, but him losing the divisional at home, what I think will happen is I think he's just going to come out, you know, some random day in February or March after the Super Bowl and say, this is my last year. I've said I wanted to play till 45. This is the drive to 45, baby. And then he'll release a bunch of hype videos and then they'll find a way to kind of, you know, get the cap in order for that team one more time, maybe lure a few big free agents who want to, you know, one last dance with Brady. Um, we'll, you know, he'll make a bunch of hype videos and, um, you know, there'll just be a lot of defensive holding against the, or, you know, DPI against teams facing the Bucks all year, and we'll find them in the Super Bowl again. Big surprise, you know. Um, I'm not claiming it's rigged, but I heavy eyeball rolling at the last year of his career because I guarantee you that's more of what it's going to look like. And then every team will have to give Brady a gift when they come, when he visits them. Like, he'll be playing the freaking Jags on a Thursday night and they'll give him a present. Cause like they did that with like David Ortiz and stuff. I, I roll at all of it, but I almost guarantee you that's how it's going to go. And we're going to get a full 365 days of Brady worship. Well, and you know, as a chiefs fan, I would be a little hesitant to accept 15 Tom Brady tribute videos over the course of a season, but I kind of do want to see him go out one last year and and, and play and, and, you know, give it his all, have the farewell tour. It'll be annoying, but, you know, we're, we're kind of saying the same thing about some of the NBA stars and whatever, what nobody wants really is a Michael Jordan on the Wizards situation. Like 
people want to see the stars be stars and never forget them as stars. And I think that if Tom Brady came out one more year, I think he's got at least one more good year in him if he wants to play and come. I, I just don't know if that's something that he's going to be interested in. Cause I think he even stated, I, I don't want a farewell tour. So, you know, it's, it's pretty up in the air. We'll see, but I'd like to see him play as a cheese fan. I want to see him lose the division one last time <laughs> on the other side of the ball. You know, I, I think one thing that's going to be really interesting is story to write. You know, there's a, if we're forecasting the Super Bowl, I feel like the Super Bowl that might be most likely to happen would be Chiefs Rams. And I think, I think there's some interesting things to take away from that because we have talked so much about how the Rams are all in and the Chiefs are tend to be one of those organizations as well. You know, talking about the here and now. And if both of those teams are in the Super Bowl, I think a lot of people are going to have to kind of um, you know, retrace what they've said a little bit about how all in these two teams are and how it's killing them. Because here's the thing, you can keep pushing the, moving the goalpost over and over again. But these teams have been good for a long time now. I mean, the Rams were all in back in 2018. We forget, you know, back when it was Marcus Peters and they had Nadamika Sue and they had traded for Brandon Cooks and they've been doing this for a while too. And the Chiefs were as well. And here they are four years later and likely to play in a Super Bowl against each other when it, you know, it's, it's just kind of, you know, the boy who cried wolf a little bit. Oh, just you wait, just you wait, just you wait. And I know I've done that a little bit with the Chiefs cap situation. And I think, I think that they have paid the price for that in some ways here. Maybe they are the one seed if they had a better second wide receiver, who knows? But I mean, I, I do think that it's interesting that these two teams could end up facing each other. The Matt Stafford move was about as far in as you can get in a game but I tell you what, man, Jared Goff might have got them out to that lead because Jared Goff could follow a script. But that final drive to get the field goal to Cooper Cup, Jared Goff ain't doing that. And they go to the overtime and lose to Brady. I have no doubt with Jared Goff. And that, and I mean, that goes back to the Mahomes thing. Now, Matt Stafford does not belong in the same conversation, but big time players, when it's the biggest moments, they make plays. And that was the difference in that game. And Stafford has that. And, you know, Jared Goff did not. So I, I wanted you to clarify one more thing because you're—I I feel like I've had to check you a lot on this podcast, but you're very—you're coming very, very dangerously close to saying the cap is fake. And I, I know that your stance is—is is, neither of our stances really are about that at all. But anything else you want to say? I mean, well, no, the, the, those two things aren't exactly the same, right? I mean, for instance, the move to acquire Von Miller made by the Rams cost them virtually nothing financially. It cost them a draft, several good draft picks, but it didn't cost them anything financially, right? There's, there's like two, there's two, there's several different ways to be all in, right? You can be all in on the cap. You can be all in in the draft, right? You know, if you're gonna, you know, try to get a ton of, say you're like a team that's tanking and try to acquire a bunch of picks in the draft, and you can be all in in the salary cap as well, um, you know, trying to maximize it all in for one year. Um, you know, the cap is absolutely real, and I do think there will come a time that the Rams are going to have to pay the bill. I think they'll have to pay the bill a little bit harder than the Chiefs have, but they've also been more aggressive than the Chiefs have. I mean, the dirty little secret about what the Chiefs have done this year is, and I mean, this goes a long ways to, towards the Brett Veach narrative. He, to me, this is, this is the year that Brett Veach solidifies that he's been a good GM. Before, I, I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He made a lot of good moves. But a big part of that 2019 Super Bowl team was John Dorsey players, but that, you know, that was two years ago. 
And the entire offensive line is, you know, a, a tribute to Brett Beach. Nick Bolton made huge plays in that game, Brett Beach. You know, there's Willie Gay has made big plays. McCole Hardman made a big play. I mean, this is definitely Brett Beach's roster now. And he has, you know, solidified that. But going back to that, a big part of the reason why the Chiefs aren't quite as all in as the Rams is the, they're a young team. Like secretly, you know, you've got Brady, you've got Hill, you've got Mahomes. You've got that core there, but besides some veterans who are playing on kind of both sides of the ball, especially the defense a little bit older, they're a pretty young team. They they played, they ranked in the uppers of the whole NFL as snaps played by rookies this year. Most of that, their offensive line, but Bolton as well, you know, that, that all played into that. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm glad you kind of clarified that. Also Rams chiefs was our Super Bowl pick before the season started. I know you remember. I think I sent you a text the other day about it. So we'll gloat about that a little bit. This this team is very, very young. And it's it's kind of weird to think that the defensive side of the ball is the one that we're the oldest at, especially when you have two rookies or essentially two rookie linebackers. Um, our cornerbacks are very, very young. Our safety. Charverius Ward is the o- oldest cornerback. Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark are the other two oldest guys Okafor Okafor is another vet guy but that's it you look on the offensive side of the ball Orlando Brown no I think Tooney is the the oldest lineman followed by Orlando Brown who's still technically on his rookie deal and then you have what Tyree Kill Travis Kelsey those are your those are your guys at wide receiver and tight end like everybody's young and they haven't had to invest all of their draft capital into rising stars or, or veteran players that can come in and make a help, make a difference early. And that is because of Brett Beach. And we have been very, very critical of Brett Beach over the past couple of months, especially earlier in the season, um, because we weren't necessarily hundred percent on board with all of his decisions, especially regarding the offensive line. But I think you're right. I think that coming around, seeing how this team is playing this late into the postseason. Seeing where our cap space is next year, I think we have 22 million before we do anything, before restructures, before re-signings, all of that, and well, and cuts because we're going to be making some pretty big, sizable cuts off of our off of our staff. Um, Brett Veach has been a great general manager, and all hats off to him. I don't think you can say the same thing about the Rams. They're they're definitely over the cap. I haven't looked that up. I have no verification but I guarantee that's the case and they have no draft picks. So come coming out of this game and, and, or at least out of this season, I don't know where the Rams will be as compared to where the chiefs will be. And that's, that's a hundred percent credit to Brett beach. Absolutely. And I mean, here's the thing. If, if they win the super bowl, the Rams do, they, I, I think the Rams are a little bit more of an all in in the sense of they're trying to win a city that um, hasn't been an NFL city for a long time. And they're hoping they can do that with the Super Bowl. And I, I get it a little bit, you know, especially whenever they're having to block 49er fans from buying tickets. It makes sense. But, um, you know, let's, let's move on here. We've got plenty of time to talk about everything that happened this season as we kind of get through. We'll have that bye week with the post with the Super Bowl. Um, speaking of quarterbacks creating a narrative, I want to I want to put this out here real quick. We're going to we're going to talk about the Packers 49ers game, but I want to make it clear. 
the Aaron Rodgers, Joe Rogan jokes are hilarious and I love them. And they're funny. Throw Rogan. And That's my yeah, favorite yeah, one. Yeah, throw Rogan. My favorite is Marjor- Marjorie Taylor Green Bay because it has nothing to do with Joe, <laughs> the, uh, Aaron Rodgers' name. It's just hilarious. But okay, here's the thing. Those are all hilarious and can have nothing to do with the fact that he sucked on Sunday, on Saturday, and he lost because of it. I, dude, I can make fun of his political stuff and have nothing to do with the football criticism of how he played. He played poorly. He clammed up. He looked like a guy who had put an immense amount of pressure on himself all offseason by posting stupid pictures of the last dance, acting like anything in his career could be compared to Michael Jordan's. Ridiculous. And then, you know what? He put all this pressure on himself, and look what happened. You went out and got beat by Jimmy freaking G. And I had a friend who told me, you can't say you got beat by Jimmy G because his special team sucked. You know what? Score more than 10 points at home. What was the narrative going into this game? That there was a good chance it was going to be a blowout because they had what? Like two or three all pros returning. Jair, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, who I think was an actor for the game because he's still struggling with that knee injury. But they were getting weapons back all over the place. Merciless was back. Several good players, Zadarius Smith. And his defense, you know, what does the Packers fan lament? Oh, just imagine Aaron Rodgers with the defense. He got a great defensive performance. Not to mention the NFC Championship game, which he lost last year. Their defense had three interceptions in the second half of Tom Brady, and they still couldn't win it. It's time to start holding Aaron Rodgers accountable for his play on the field. And you know what? The whole Joe Rogan, COVID, whatever, it's stupid. But how many people in the world have fallen into that? I'm, I'm not going to – I am absolutely going to retweet Toe Rogan, but – I because it's still funny. But it has nothing to do with my criticism of him on Saturday. He didn't play well. And, you know, if – let's put it this way. Sometimes film guys get in on a Monday or Tuesday. They see guys and they tweet it out like, oh, look at this. They missed this. If it's Saturday – in like an hour after the game and it, they're already tweeting out, like, look at how wide open this player was and Rogers missed him. It was egregious. And it was egregious that he, that throw that he missed on, uh, at the end of that game that he, you know, kind of focused in on Devonte Adams. There's a lot to me, 90% of this has to go on air Rogers feet. He spent all this time building this up in the season. I guarantee you all the players felt the pressure. And this is the bed that he made, and now he has to lay in it. And now he's going to have an uncelebratory exit from Green Bay because I don't see a way that he can come back after the way that ended. And act like him going to freaking Denver or wherever he's going to go is going to somehow be different because he just had it so bad in Green Bay, you know, where he got to handpick, like, the coach. He got to bring in all the players he wanted to bring in this year, like Randall Cobb. And, you know, he had all pros all over the field a great offensive line, great scheme. And now he's just going to go to this new team who has zero players who have, you know, probably played in the postseason recently and then just fix it all. And then he'll finally get his championships. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, dude, look at the saga of Aaron Rodgers the past couple of years. I want a new head coach because Mike McCarthy and I don't get along anymore. Okay. You know, that that's understandable. Even in Dallas, you know, Mike McCarthy isn't the best head coach. Okay. Yeah. We'll give you a new head coach. Okay, well, you drafted my replacement, and that's egregious. Okay, that every 
NFL player has had the team that drafted them draft their replacement. That, that's not really, okay, you know, maybe you wanted another weapon. Okay, you know what, that, that one's a little on us. You fired all the guys that I wanted to keep. Okay, we'll bring back Amari Cobb. And we'll, we'll bring back guys like Clay Matthews. Or I guess they didn't bring him back, but they brought back some players on the defensive side of the football. Oh, man, if I only had a defense. Well, your defense held the 49ers offense to six points. Okay. Um, well, now I don't have any weapons. Okay. Well, we, we got you some more of those weapons to come back in. You have to score more than 10 points in an NFL playoff game to win. I don't care who you are. I don't care what team you're playing against. 10 points is not going to cut it in an NFL playoff game. All that city has ever done for Aaron Rodgers is give him everything that he wanted, complete control, begged every single offseason that he's played, please, Aaron Rodgers, come back. Don't, don't leave us. What, what will we be without you? Well, the 49ers know what they would be without him, and they've won four or five playoff games against him. Okay, so this coming into this offseason, if you're a Green Bay fan, I don't see how you even want him coming back on the roster because this entire offseason where it's it's going to be the Rodgers drama, and oh, my gosh, you know, they're a conservative bunch of people up there in Green Bay. They're going to look at this and say, okay, listen, dude, we've given you everything you have ever asked for. We want you to win more than one playoff game. We want you to go to the AFC cha NFC championship game and play like Mahomes did or play like Josh Allen did or play like Joe Burrow did or played like Tom Brady did there or even played like Jimmy Garoppolo did at this point. Like we, we want you to come in and be a competent quarterback, even be half of what you are during the regular season and, and, and do something for us besides win us one championship. And as, a, as Chiefs fans and self-proclaimed Chiefs fans, we love Alex Smith. We also hate Alex Smith because he couldn't get us past where we always wanted, where, where we always ended up, which was an AFC championship game, a divisional round in Kansas City where we lose, a wild card weekend. We, they will always love Aaron Rodgers for everything that he did during the regular season and kind of spoiling the, the Green Bay fans to an extent, but also it's like, dude, you're supposed to be the greatest quarterback who ever lived for a long time. That was the narrative. He's got, he's got the most talent. He's great at decision-making. All we want you to do is win two playoff games and the past two, the, the last day NFC championship game and this divisional round was a hundred percent on Aaron Rodgers. That those losses are on him. That it's not because of anybody else. It's because of him. So I don't know if I, I would, I'm almost hundred percent sure that, that he does not go back to green Bay. And I think that's good for both sides. Cause I think Aaron Rodgers will get to go to a place where he can still make all the rules so that he will still have that fandom that he, that he craves and the green Bay Packers will maybe get a quarterback that can lead them past one or two rounds in the NFL playoffs. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're green Bay, the Rams got two first plus for Matt Stafford. Now, Matt Stafford's not as old as Aaron Rodgers. Matt Stafford also has not been a two-time MVP, which Aaron Rodgers will have been. So you got to think four times. Yeah, time. yeah. You got to think that they're going to the that starting asking price is two first-round picks. At that point, with that roster, the cap space that they're going to free up, you you go to war with Jordan Love. You made your pick, and for the Packers, you got to try to move on from there because. 
to me, there's no way that you can look at that and say that the majority of the blame does not go on Aaron Rodgers. Sure, players should have made play. Yes, their special teams were dreadful. But I mean, there was a game, I think it was last year, the Titans and the Packers played in Lambeau in the snow. And Rodgers and Adams in that game looked like they were on another planet. Like they just were so in sync in the snow and they were carving in, carving that defense up. And I remember thinking to myself, as the snow started to fall, I was like, oh man, they're going to carve this team up in the snow. Rodgers is so good in the snow. 10 points. That's not what the MVP does. Okay. It just, it's just not, if you're telling me, and I know that we're, we don't need to be any more hyperbolic about Patrick Mahomes, but if you put Patrick Mahomes on that team in those conditions, he's scoring more than 10 points. I, I absolutely believe that And his body language was just awful. The whole game, he did not look like he wanted to be there. Same as the Brady thing. And both of them were watching from the couch. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Nope. And, and you talked about it a little bit. Patrick Mahomes hasn't really outside of that one Kareem Hunt year had a solid running game. The Packers have two of the best running backs in the league, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Like those are two guys. If you put on the chiefs right now, unstoppable, unstoppable. And, and that starts and ends. I, I don't want to keep coming back to it, but to Patrick Mahomes and he has that DNA. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't. And that's okay. That's okay. But don't expect to be treated like you're the best quarterback of all time. And, and don't expect the type of pull that Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tom Brady, that, that those guys get. You're just not the same. And that's, you know what? That's, that's okay. H happy trails. We'll, we'll see you in a different town. It'll be good for everybody. True. All right, guys. Well, we're going to call that a podcast. It's been just great talking football with you guys. Um, you know, this is the best time of the year for it. We, we've really had a great time. Let's hope that we're talking about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, no matter what, we've got two really good games ahead of us. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, this is Price Carter at Price A. Carter on Twitter. Joining me was Christian Amesworth at CBreezy underscore edits. And thanks for listening to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a great week.